Well, how are you doing today? Doing well? Yeah, we are uh, closing out the man series, looking at how to win as a dad. By the way, this really had just got easier recently. Uh, I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar. Uh, there was a student, or is a student, her name is Mackenzie Pearson, uh, goes to Clemson University, and she wrote a paper that has become a phenomenon about the dad bod. Any of you ever heard about that? Yeah, it's, well, uh, if, by the way, if you are a little squeamish, you might want to not look at some of the images that will be up on screen. Uh, the dad bod, she writes uh, this. Uh, she says, um, the dad bod is a nice balance between a beer gut and working out. The dad bod says, I go to the gym occasionally, but I also enjoy eating eight slices of pizza at a time. Uh, Seth Rogen is known for the uh, dad bod. Yeah, this is going to be an image that's going to be hard to get out of your mind. Uh, and also some other uh, dad bod. Uh, we'll see this. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler. Uh, very disturbing in- images. By the way, most of these men aren't even dads. They just went for the dad bod. Uh, now, I don't usually uh, brag, but I think I really came up with the dad bod. I really, really, uh, when I was, here's a picture of me and uh, my dad and my brother, and if you can see that, can you see that little bit of stomach peeking out out right there? (laughs) Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, well, as we look at winning as a a dad, uh, it's pretty pretty simple, and and I think this is important for us to understand, uh, really, to maybe understand our own fathers as, as they maybe tried uh, to win, and, and maybe areas where it was more of a struggle. Uh, or if you are a dad and you say, you know, I really want to win, and whether you have kids that are two or 42, I think this will uh, be helpful for you. Uh, in Genesis uh, 2.24, it says this, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. We get this right in the creation account uh, about uh, God's plan. Now, this is God's plan for uh, marriage, but it's also God's plan really uh, for families as well. Some of you might say, you know, I even have a hard time with the creation account and understanding that or believing that. It, I think in this next series, Deep Water Faith, uh, you're going to really enjoy that because that's one of the things that we're going to be addressing. Well, right in the first couple chapters of the Bible, uh, we get an example, and it's more of a negative example than a positive example, uh, about what it means to first miss the mark. And dads who miss the mark are generally passive. Uh, Our Adam, who is really called our, our first father, we get an account there in the Bible where he struggles a little bit. And uh, we're going to go right to the temptation account in Genesis 3, 6, where we read, uh, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good and pleasing to the eye, she also gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it. So there we get right temptation. And by the way, guys, this is a, a Father's Day gift to you. Do you know what it says there in the Bible? It was her fault. It really was. It was, you know, I'd always sort of thought it was Adam and his deal, but it says it right there. It is her fault, and uh, that's just my gift to you. <laughs> but, but it's sort of interesting, uh, and this is where uh, really we're going to do a little work biblically. Uh, 
She, in that first account, really was tempted and went there. But notice uh, what it says later on in in a recount of this in Romans 5.12. Sin entered the world through one man, Adam. Now, guys, don't you think that's a bit... That's not fair, is it? Because we see that she ate the fruit, right? It's right there in the Bible. And Adam gets blamed for it. And what that proves is that men will get blamed for everything throughout the... No, the... Uh, uh, well, well why, why is that... Why is he blamed for that? Uh, even though she... Because notice in that account, in those verses from Genesis, that uh, who was there when she was tempted... Who was there when she gave in to sin? Who was there and said nothing about it? And that was Adam. And I think Adam struggled with a sin that really I think many of us, I know I am at least tempted towards, and that's the sin of passivity. We're, uh, we're, we're there, but we're not really there. So that's a negative What's the positive? We see that dads who win are active. Dads who win are uh, involved. We, we get an account in the book of Nehemiah where God is actually calling uh, people to action. We, we studied the book of Nehemiah this last fall, saw it was about rebuilding a wall, but so much more than that, it was about rebuilding a way of life, of security, of prosperity, and even of faith. And here's the challenge that's uh, given to the people. It says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. It starts with God. Fight for your family, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. One cool example we see of that is uh, a man uh, named Shalom. He was actually a political leader. Uh, And here's what we read about him. Shalom, son of Halawash, ruler of half-district of Jerusalem, Repair the next section with the help of his daughter. So you say, what's going on here? Why are we talking about walls? Well, notice what's happened. They've been uh, given this opportunity to rebuild their life. And then Hallowish says, uh, I'm not going to take the, uh, the position that I have and say, I'm not going to work. He could have done that. But he gets actively involved. And who does he include? He includes his daughters in this. I think there's something there for us to learn. And I remember reading this passage of Scripture and thinking about my own daughters and really putting it into practice over 20 years ago reading this, saying, you know what, whenever I'm doing something, whenever I'm repairing something in the home, I'm going to always include my daughters. And something, no, something I've done to this day. I've never repaired anything, but I've been thinking uh, about it. I would include them. I really would. Okay, seriously, what, what do we see here? We see if dads who miss the mark are passive and dads who win are active, then what's the key question? The key question is what would a great dad do? What would a great dad do? And so we're going to look at uh, a few things that we find in the Scripture, and I, and I think most of these will be pretty intuitive to you. The first thing a great dad does is to stay engaged, to stay engaged. Notice I didn't say get engaged, because we're all engaged initially, right? 
Think about it. When, uh, if, you're, if you're dating right now, I will describe to you what is happening uh, in your relationship. If you were uh, dating or now married, you know how it goes. Men are goal-oriented. And so, okay, time to get a wife. Find wife. And, we find, and men will do things that they would never do when they're dating. By the way, ladies, be careful because we will change. They'll say, hey, let's go watch a Nicholas Sparks movie. They'll really be into that. Uh, they'll they'll uh, bring you flowers. They'll say, let's, well, I'm going to go to you with, to the opera. Uh, no man likes opera, but he will trick you with this. And so what happens is men are hunter-gatherers. And so it's like, okay, I begged wife. <laughs> Hopefully not literally. <laughs> and, and same thing, too. Is, and so then we start a family. Uh, and we start building a life. And often what we'll think is our engagement is then limited to provision. Provision and protection are really, if you're married, that is your assignment. Uh, that is a very, it can look differently, but that is a very unique and biblical uh, assignment. That doesn't mean uh, just financially. I remember when my wife and I first uh, got married, I was associate pastor at a, a church down in Arizona, and my wife made literally three times as much money as I did. And so I told her, honey, you're going to have to quit your job because I just don't feel like a man. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I was praising Jesus all the way to the bank. That's what I was doing. Uh, but, 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 but I knew that God had given me a unique role to be there as a protector, to, to provide the best I could. Uh, that, that's important to ladies, especially in our area. We have a lot of uh, women who are doing very well. Maybe you're making a lot more money than your husband. If he's at least trying to do his part, that is something that, that you need to honor. And if you don't, It'll create a toxin uh, in the marriage. It really will. So here's what happens is we have kids and they're little. Uh, any of you uh, have uh, little kids in the home? Okay, some of you. Any of you have uh, elementary age, that kind? Okay, great. Teenagers? Okay. Any of you have kids that are out of the home? Oh, yeah, a lot of you, you look very happy. And the, uh, So uh, here's what will happen is early on we're like, oh, it's... He's so cute, he's like saying a word, or he's walking, or he's like going potty on his own. And you're like, yay, you did it. And it's so, but then what happens is kids start to grow older, and it becomes more awkward to be involved in their life. And we'll retreat to, hey, I'm going to make sure that the home is safe, and that the bills are paid, when God has called us to do so much more than that. I had a, the unfortunate circumstance this last week as I was you know, thinking about what does it mean to be an engaged dad. As, uh, as I, was, I was actually uh, listening to, uh, uh, to a friend's message who said he had spoken on this, and I'm like, this is really good stuff. I'm going to have to steal part of this and use it for my sermon. Uh, and then my daughter comes home, and she had an upset tummy. And with that, some of what she had in her tummy ended up on the counter and the floor and everywhere else. And I was thinking, 
if I just walk away, she'll never know I was here. <laughs> and then, so then I cleaned it up and all of that. And, and you know, it, you think about that. That's, of course, a little gross. And then I was sick for three days later. Thank you very much. <laughs> but what about when your child is talking about uh, temptation, that they're, temptation that they're having with drugs or alcohol or maybe the pressure to be uh, sexually involved? See, dads, that's when your kids need you too. And I know how awkward uh, it is to have those conversations. Uh, my dad was not particularly good at those conversations, didn't even attempt them. But one of the things I knew is that even if I failed, I was going to at least attempt the conversation. See, there's, there's this intimacy that we get modeled in the scriptures. Jesus, look at what Jesus uh, says about us. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. What he's saying there is there's this level of intimacy that I know who you are. Some of you may not even have realized that, that God didn't just create you and then get the world spinning and walk away, but that God knows your hurts, your hopes, your fears, your aspirations. Uh, and he wants you to know him that way as well. And, and, and really, as we get our heavenly father has this level of intimacy and engagement with us, that we're called to have that same level of intimacy. Uh, as we think about our kids, what are, what are they afraid of? What are they really good at? What do they like? What gives them life? What are they drawn towards? Jesus modeled this. This is in the Bible, but not in your outline. It says this, uh, Mark 10. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have them touch him, but his disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said, let the little children come to me. So, so what would it be like, or what is it like, for you to be engaged? Now, there's a fine line, I know, uh, between engaging and being part of our kids' world and then affirming everything they want to do. Because we're the adults, sometimes we have to say no. But if we could have that level of excitement, it can be transformational for a child. Well, well second, uh, oh, and by the way, before I go there, uh, if your kids are adults, uh, it's a great way to build that friendship with them as well by continuing to stay engaged. Do, do you know how your kids uh, are doing at work these days? You know what they're hoping for. You know what uh, their struggles are. H how are they doing in, with their health, with, with raising their own family? Well, second, uh, a great dad uh, sets a spiritual example. Uh, really, that's the one eternal thing that you give to a child. Uh, we read this in Proverbs 14, 25. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it'll be a refuge. What it's talking about is a respect, an honoring of God, and when we give that example, that really uh, can be passed down through generations. That's one of the things that um, I try to do and my wife and I try to do is to set an example. By the way, that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. In fact, the worst thing you could do is set up this spiritual facade where, hey, I've got it all together, 
and not share your imperfections. Because the Bible says we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, maybe one of the ways you set a spiritual example is by confessing maybe where you failed as a parent, confessing when uh, you've done something wrong. I know I've done that many times with my daughters, uh, not using it as an excuse to fail, but when I have, it's amazing the grace that I've met with. And, and the question is, is, are you willing to risk to experience that grace? Some other things we do uh, uh, as a family, uh, we uh, tithe, we give the Lord our, the first of our income, letting them know that that's uh, important to us. And that means there are certain things uh, financially that we don't do because we put God first in that area. Uh, when it comes to worship, we always uh, do that. In fact, people will say to me, you know, when you're out of town, oh, great, it's, it's an opportunity to not go to church. I don't go to church just because I'm the pastor here. Uh, I go to church because I really want that time to connect with God in a powerful way. In fact, sometimes the greatest times of worship for me as a pastor are when I'm out of town and I'm at some church, and I just get to focus not what's on going around the church in this complex, growing organization, but what God wants to say to me. Uh, now, maybe you're like me. Every once in a while, uh, you have a bad church experience, just like you have a bad restaurant experience. doesn't mean you stop eating. Uh, so, so sometimes my kids will say, well, can we watch church online? And we do that uh, when we're out of town. Uh, we try the best we can to set a spiritual example. One of the things we'll often do is if we hear uh, a fire engine or a police car and there's maybe a wreck, we'll, we'll pray for the people who, who are in that situation, what, whatever it is. And by the way, praying with your kids, uh, dads, you don't need to be a Bible expert to pray with your kids. All you need to do is to know how to call out to God. And, and it is awkward when you pray with your kids. It, it, it can be very, very awkward. Because sometimes you don't know what to say. But I'll tell you this, they would rather have you pray imperfectly with them than any pastor on our staff. They would rather see you at least attempting it and fighting through the awkwardness. Uh, great times to pray are before bed, at mealtime, when they're stressed out. You don't have to do everything. But where are you setting that spiritual example? That's what a great dad uh, does. You know, sometimes it could even be, you say, you know, I'm struggling with this area of my faith, but I trust that God will give me the answers even if I don't have the answers right now. Uh, the third thing a great dad does is become their child's number one fan. This means that we believe in them more than they believe in themselves. Uh, I remember the things, and, and I'm sure you do too, for our kids, it was sports when they were little and, and being their number one fan. By the way, do you know who the most psycho people are at Little League games? Dads. And oftentimes we'd like to say, well, that's just because I really want my child to get a fair shake because I think they could make it in the major leagues. And if they could make it in the major leagues, they could become a Mariner and the Mariners would finally win, you know, and we can feel like that. 
Oftentimes what happens is our ego gets involved in it. Because uh, they can be having a great time out there. Uh, now, our oldest daughter was a little com more competitive, which I enjoyed seeing her that. My youngest daughter, it was hard for me when she was doing sports because she was way more interested in the conversation with her friends than whether or not she was winning the game. And I realized as a dad uh, to just cheer her on how she is. For us, it's meant uh, acting classes. It's been uh, all the different activities that they have wanted to get involved in. One of the great examples we have in the Scripture is how God the Father and God the Son relate. In fact, uh, the, the time we literally have recorded an audible voice from God the Father to God the Son, it's interesting, you think about it, if you had one thing to say, what would you say? We're told in Matthew 3.17 uh, that a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love, with whom I will I'm well pleased. And think about that. Of all the things that God the Father uh, could say, is he says, I'm pleased with you. And I brought out this point before, I believe. But notice, this is before Jesus healed anyone. It's before he did any miracles. It's really before he got involved in his ministry. Before he performed, God the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's interesting, uh, dads uh, in particular, we have a role that's somewhat unique in helping our kids uh, see their value, that there's a blessing. We see it again and again throughout the pages of Scripture where the father will give a blessing and then the child will see their identity through that. Well, the opposite of that uh, is Ephesians 6.4, uh, where it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's really where it's, uh, our ego gets involved. It's more about our way than us taking the time to be engaged with them. But the good news is, even if we've blown it on that account, that our words, just like the words could have caused damage, they can also bring healing. It says in Proverbs uh, 12, the words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. And maybe uh, that's what you're called to do today. You have older kids and you say, you know, I, I need to make a few things right. Because what would a great dad do? That's what a great dad would do. And the fourth thing a great dad would do is seize opportunities. We all are, are given uh, opportunities. This means that uh, we have the opportunity to show love, to give encouragement, to set a spiritual example. For some of us, we have the opportunity this Father's Day weekend uh, to show appreciation uh, to our own fathers. Uh, and maybe for some of us, the greatest opportunity is that even if we felt that something was lacking from our earthly father, which my guess is almost every person has, that we can hold true to the words Psalm 68, 5, again, not in your outline, but it is in the Bible, where God says, I will be a father to the fatherless. Really what it takes is the courage to act. 
the humility and courage to act. In Joshua 1.9, there's this great charge given to Joshua, and we learned a little bit about him last week. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And those steps of courage are sometimes saying, hey, you know, maybe I've been inside church for a long time, and I've been working at this and trying, but I've really never flipped that switch where I say, God, I'm going to give you uh, my whole heart and my whole life. I I was talking to someone who's going to be baptized in our baptism on uh, July 12th, and he was sharing, uh, someone well into his mid to late 40s, how he finally came to that point where he realized to be a, a leader in the home would mean to have to really open up his heart in a bigger way that he, than he ever did before uh, to God. I, w- I want you uh, to take a look at Jeff's story. 